The following message is from Bear Creek Church. More information about BCC is available at bearcreekchurch.org. Let's pray. In this week, Father, our thanksgiving tends to be out of habit or cultural. I pray that as believers, Pastor Brian be used today to spur thanksgiving in us. It's part of our DNA as those who have been redeemed. Use him in that way now, we pray. For your sake and the sake of your son's reputation. Amen. Pastor Dale. Okay. A good start. A great start to uh, the Lord's Day. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. I, I want us to realize that these three statements... They're not optional suggestions for living a good life. But they are God's commands to us. They're a matter of his glory and our joy, which is really the same thing. Thanksgiving, that neglected holiday between Halloween and Christmas, and hopefully not the neglected part of our daily lives. I think most of us, when prompted, we do have that inner sense of of gratitude for the many blessings that we enjoy. But are we actually expressing it? Are we only thankful or are we also thanksgiving? Psalm 105 tells us to give thanks to the Lord and not only is this a command, but it's also good for us. It actually makes us happy to give thanks. So, are you happy? What about yesterday? Were you happy yesterday? How about, how about tomorrow? Do you think you'll be happy tomorrow? And when I ask this, do you think, well, that depends. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I think most of us realize that our lives can change in a moment. But as Christians, we should also have some confidence that regardless of tomorrow's circumstances, if we believe that God is sovereign, which he is, then we'll be able to rejoice always and give thanks In all circumstances, God is sovereign over everything. Psalm 105 tells us to give thanks, to remember, to to tell of God's wondrous works. But when we read on in Psalm 105, we see the description of his works. We see in verse 16 that God summoned, God summoned a famine. 
And in recalling the life of Joseph, which this psalm does, we know that his brothers sold him into slavery. His feet would hurt with fetters and his neck be put into a collar of iron as he's in prison. And it's reasonable to ask, how do we rejoice in things like this? How do we give thanks in, in these kinds of circumstances? And the really, the only answer that makes sense is that we know that the Lord, he is God. He knows how to work good through the evil intentions of Joseph's brothers and the evil situations that you might face. And this is great news. This is great news. We can expect to rejoice tomorrow, not knowing what tomorrow will bring. We can expect to rejoice tomorrow knowing that our joy does not depend upon the unknown circumstances of tomorrow, but on the unchanging character of the God who is for us. And Psalm 105 encourages us to not only know it deep within our souls, not only to remember, but that we should also make his deeds known among the peoples. That we, we express it. Maybe write it down. Write these things down. Share the details of God's blessing so that others will be reminded of the faithfulness and goodness of God. Giving thanks is good for your soul. It'll bring you joy to not only know and appreciate God's goodness, but to express it, to, to give thanks, to sing, to tell of God's wondrous works. C.S. Lewis, mostly known for the Chronicles of Narnia, said a lot of brilliant things and this one, this truth is one of my favorites. He said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. Don't you really think about this? This is so good and so profound. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it's expressed. It's frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than the tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever but we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, 
God is inviting us to enjoy him. Your joy is incomplete until it is expressed to another. It's unfulfilled in isolation. It's frustrated if you're only thankful and not thanksgiving. God's command to give thanks in all circumstances is our rejoicing always. This is why we gather and sing. It's not simply the enjoyment of music. It's the expression of our souls. Giving thanks requires saying it, expressing it, praying it. And in doing so, we rejoice. Psalm 105 tells us to give thanks, to call upon God, to make God's deeds known to others, to sing, to glory in his name, to rejoice, to seek the Lord, and to remember. They all go together, don't they? They all go together. Psalm 105 is an example of giving thanks. It is a detailed expression that recalls God's covenant faithfulness to his people. It begins, it tells of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It reminds us that God summoned a famine and that it was his sovereign plan to send Joseph to save his people. It recalls slavery in Egypt and God sending Moses and delivering his people and providing for them and bringing them out with joy and singing for his glory. As children of God, Psalm 105 is a part of our history. This is our history. And God's faithfulness continues today because, well, you have your own stories to tell. To not only know with gratefulness in your hearts, but to express it, tell it to others. Here's a little bit of mine. Many of you have heard these things. Uh, Through the loss of Jen's parents, Jen, my wife, Jennifer, through the loss of her parents and grandmother when she was only 12 and 14, God was faithful. Through her own... uh, bout with cancer, God was good. Through the death of our daughter, Lindsay, we have a better grasp of God's glory. Through Devin's many heart surgeries, the loss of her kidneys and dialysis, and then the Lord's healing, our family knows that God is always with us and will do what is best. There's so much more. But I must confess, it's really good to express that God has blessed us. He has shown us a bit of his glory through through loss, through fearful times, through answered prayer. In times of worry, he has used Jen expressing to me, reminding me of God's goodness and sovereign care through Jennifer saying, hasn't God been good to us? Look at all the yeses he's given to us. He'll be with us now. So in each of our stories, we should all be able to say, 
we should all be able to say, in light of God's glorious grace to me in Jesus, in light of the absolutely certain hope of a future with no more tears, no more sorrows, no more sin and suffering, in light of God being for me and not against me, in light of God being all-powerful and good and promising to work all things in my life for my good, why wouldn't I be happy? Why wouldn't I rejoice always? And of course, this assurance is only true if we love God, if we're called according to his purpose. It's only true if you belong to Jesus and love him. And loving him means that we obey his commandments. So not everyone can or should rejoice always. Not everyone can give thanks in all circumstances. No, it's only for those who belong to Jesus, who have this certain hope, who know that he will never leave us or forsake us. So if you want this kind of assurance, then look to Jesus. Look to Jesus as your Savior. Walk with him. Repent of your sins. Continually confess to God who is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God wants the happiness of his beloved, chosen, adopted children because our happiness glorifies him. Rejoice always. Rejoice always is connected to his other commands. And so our lack of joy may have something to do with these other commands? Are we ceasing to pray? Are we only thankful and not giving thanks? They're all connected. And one connection is that we're to be doing each of these all of the time, continually in our lives. We're not to rejoice sometimes. We're to rejoice always. We don't just pray at dinner time. We're to pray without ceasing. We don't only give thanks when things go the way that we like. No, we give thanks in all circumstances. And these only make sense. They only make sense if God is always in control. If we need him all the time. If He's giving us something good in all circumstances. It only makes sense if those things are true. God is worthy of your praise. We should have absolute confidence in him. So much so that we can't help but thank him. Thanking him for his promise to bring about good. Even though we have no idea how it will be good. And yes, the news might be hard, it might be devastating, so let me remind you that we're not told to thank God for the circumstance, but to thank Him in all circumstances. It's a big difference. If we're in the midst of an evil circumstance, we don't thank God for evil, but we thank Him for ordaining it and using it and working through it for our good. Joseph's brothers did evil. Judas 
the Jewish leaders, Pilate, the Roman soldiers, did evil. And we're not thankful for the betrayal and cruelty and mocking and shame. But we are thankful for, we are thankful that through these, in the midst of the greatest evil, we know it is our certain hope that God ordained it for our greatest good, the salvation of our souls. So in the midst of our own suffering, we can thank God because the suffering, the suffering is not the end. He's the end. He's the one who redeems and will use every circumstance for our good. He is sovereign over all. Even in the and when we say all, that includes all. Even in the, the small, frustrating parts of life, when the car breaks down, when you get that unexpected bill and you don't have the money to pay it, when you stub your toe, when you spend an entire day instead of a half hour on the plumbing of a bathroom sink and go to the store five times to get parts, hypothetically speaking. When you're disrespected, when you're slandered wrongly, when you can't help and solve that particular problem of your loved one. These fall into the category of all circumstances. And God tells us to give him thanks And to pray without ceasing. And doing so is how we rejoice always. God is purposeful. He is good. He is with you and at work in you. And each circumstance really is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity to grow, to pray, to give thanks, which leads to a God-glorifying joy. So on Thanksgiving Day, what do many of you do? You might have that tradition to stop and have everyone share that one thing that they're thankful for. It's a good practice. We hear things like my health or the health of my family, my job, comforts of home, family and friends, pets, freedom, coffee, of course. And these are all great things to thank God for. But since we're told to give thanks in, in all circumstances, might, we might consider a version of this holiday tradition every day. What if it was a daily goal to look for more and more things to thank God for? Make that a goal every day. Look for things to thank God for. We could do it in a variety of ways. Maybe, maybe it's around a meal. Or maybe you write a journal. Maybe a post. Maybe create a note on your phone that is always with you. To where you can record or jot down that moment. Capture that moment of thankfulness. Just saying it is great. But it's also great to have something written down, like your own Psalm 105. 
something you, you can review and remember and remind yourself or your spouse or your friend of God's many various blessings. And what would this do to our attitudes? If we're actually going through the day intentionally looking for things to thank God for, what would this do to our attitudes? Have you ever been, have you ever been looking for a, to get a, a, a new car and you decide on a particular style or model or color and then amazingly you begin to notice that very color or car or you begin to notice it everywhere. Everywhere you go. What, what if we were more intentional about looking for the ordinary, the big and small blessings of God? Might this help our stress Might this help our depression? Could it combat the frustration of the daily news? Or give us an eternal perspective instead of the typical attitudes that plague our society? And how might this practice bless others? And give them a right perspective and remind them of God's daily moment-by-moment goodness? And isn't it interesting that we might decide to do this because... Hey, that might be helpful to me. And yet, shouldn't we do it because God actually commands it? But of course, as C.S. Lewis expressed, it's really the same thing. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. It's really the same thing. Rejoice. Feel joy. Be happy. And not just sometimes, but always. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Okay, now if some stranger came up to you on the street, seeing you with a, with a grumpy face, and said, hey, cheer up, you should be happy. Um, what would you say? Many of us might be, um, we might be jolted with the realization that God is so good to us, and we might actually say, you know, thank you, you're right hope I would say that. But we might say, what do you know? Do you know me? Do you know what I've been going through? Do you know my life? I have good reason for this grumpy face. And yes, what this person may not know is that you've lost a loved one, that you're going through a divorce, that you've lost your job. You had your car repossessed. You, maybe you just got some really scary diagnosis. And if some unknowing person simply said, hey, be happy, you may not respond very well. But the one who tells you to be happy does know you. He knows everything about you. And he tells you to rejoice and to pray And to give thanks, not occasionally, but always, without ceasing, in all circumstances of life. He knows the number of your days. He ordained each moment. And he says that it's intended for your good. He's the one who tells you that this light and momentary affliction is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He's the one who says he withholds no good thing from you. 
the one who says that he loved you before the creation of the world. That he set you apart, choosing to love you and adopt you and work in you and transform you and eternally bless you. He knows you. He's the one who tells you to be happy. And not only in the good times, but in the hard times as well. And we really can. Because God is sovereign. He has saved us. And a part of our salvation is that he is, he is at work within us for his good pleasure. So, yes, life is very hard. Yes, we are grieved by various trials. Yes, we should be angry at injustice, angry over sin for God's sake. Yet, we rejoice. Always. Why always? Why always? Well, if God just wound up the clock of creation and, and let it go, if he weren't involved in each and every detail, then, then that would be a good question. But instead, because God is the one who ordains all things, because he is at work for our good, then all things are from him. They're purposefully given to you for your good. And so not rejoicing says that you either don't believe he is in control or that you don't trust his wisdom or his goodness. Not rejoicing questions his involvement his ability, his character. To not rejoice means that you doubt that he knows what he's doing and why and that there's no redeeming purpose in it. But let me also say that rejoicing, it doesn't mean that we're smiling necessarily. A memorial service is a great example of rejoicing yet grieving. We can hurt and cry and have deep sorrow, yet because we know God and we're thankful for his good promise, we can simultaneously rejoice at the realization that our loved one is actually present with the Lord. I love that about memorial services. It's not just some big, huge celebration that ignores the pain of our loss. It's both. 2 Corinthians 6 describes this contrast by saying, We are a people who are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Faith doesn't need to see the transient earthly details and the reasons. Faith only needs to know that God has promised to use this necessary suffering in order to create an exceedingly better and joyful blessing, whether it be in this lifetime or whether we see it in the next. So when you hurt, pour out your heart to God. Pray without ceasing. Make every experience of life about him. Cry out to him for help. But let your prayers come to a resolution of hope in God. One that leads you to tell him that your only happiness in this terrible moment is in the knowledge that 
He is your Father who knows you. We see this, don't we? Over and over and over in the Psalms. It is so common in the Psalms, prayers of sorrow, complaint, real life stuff, pouring out your heart to God and then a resolution of God's faithfulness. Look at Psalm 142. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell him, I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there's none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name, the righteous will surround me, for you, you will deal bountifully with me. What a great hope we have. In the experiences of life, it may feel like there is no remaining refuge. And that no one cares. But faith cries out to God and declares, you are my refuge. You are my portion. You are my deliverer. And I'll give thanks to you because you are my certain hope. You will deal bountifully with me because of Jesus and his righteousness. Always, without ceasing, everything is under his power and might and good purposes. I love what Randy Alcorn wrote. He said, while it may seem hard to make ourselves happy, it's not hard to choose to give thanks, which invariably kindles happiness. We can always list things we're grateful for and recite them to God. We can share them with friends and loved ones, including our children and grandchildren or other relatives. No matter how difficult our circumstances, the happiness that comes with thanksgiving is always within our reach. And someone adds on to this, Ann Voskamp agrees, saying, try it and see. No amount of regret changes the past. No amount of anxiety changes the future. Any amount of grateful joy changes the present. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? The verse goes on. It tells us why. It says because or for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not only can this practice of joy and thanksgiving change your present outlook and and attitude, but it's God's will for you. And I don't mean for that to sound like two different things because, once again, it's really the same thing. 
God's will for you is that you glorify him. And glorifying him magnifies his greatness. It shows others how wonderful he is. And this is done through a life that is happy and satisfied and thankful in him. In one sense, God's will is the same really for each of us. That we be happy in him. And thus bring glory to him. But how that works out in the various circumstances of life are, well, they're as many as the grains of sand. We're different. God knows best how to work in each of us. In his goodness, in his wisdom, in his love, he custom designs each circumstance for each of us. Each detail in each of our lives. So instead of coveting someone else's, instead of grumbling to others or mumbling under our our breath about circumstances that we don't like, we're told to talk to God about it. I'm told to thank God for everything, every circumstance, because it's his will in Christ Jesus for me. Everything, whether we see it or not, God's hand is in it, and we can be completely confident that we will one day look back and we'll see his goodness in all of it. Yes, in the death of a child, in Jen's cancer, in Devin's many surgeries, in how these things have affected Brenna, in your loss, in your divorce, in all of it. All of it is ordained by God. And I don't fully see, but I truly am thankful to God for all of it. And if he weren't in control, if his hand wasn't in it, then there's no way I could give him the praise and rejoice with a thankful heart. It's the big things of life, and it's the small. And this passage, I will forever relate this verse with my fall from a ladder. A ladder I foolishly propped in a hurry at the end of our hallway to access our attic. A ladder not opened but propped against a doorway on a carpet runner that sat on a slippery wooden floor. A ladder that waited for just the right moment for me to reach the top before it decided to slide out from under me, landing just right as I landed across it on my back. And I'll forever associate this verse with that painful event because when I yelled out in pain, scaring my family half to death, little Brenna came running to my side, fearful for her dad. And the first thing out of her mouth was, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It was God's will. I still feel it some 20 years later. I'm still thankful because now I'm actually the safest person there is on a ladder. But much more so, I'm thankful that the the first thing that came to Brenna's mind in a scary moment was to comfort with God's word. Huge. All circumstances are a part of God's plan for you. 
All circumstances are ordained by God to conform you into the image of Christ. And so the image of Christ, wow, it must be pretty wonderful, pretty amazing, because the many, many of our circumstances are really painful. I want to close with a quote from Nancy DeMoss, who said, the person who has chosen to make gratitude his or her mindset and lifestyle can view anything, anything through the eyes of thankfulness. The whole world looks different when we do. Let's pray. Father, there are, there are many hurts, many sufferings, many frustrations over injustices, moral decline, the loss of freedoms. And many of us fill our minds with commentaries of all the things that are wrong. We listen to complaints and criticisms. We research and discover lies and deceptions. And we become more and more irritated and much less likely to give you the thanks that you deserve. So this holiday is a good reminder for us to stop and remember your many blessings to us. Even in the midst of our, of our sufferings, we can say that we're blessed. Might we actually say it? Help us to not only know your blessings, but to confess them as well. Help us to not take you for granted, your sovereign work in our lives for our good. Lord, please forgive us for this ingratitude. And please make us mindful of the many things, small and large, which you have given to us. Prompt us to give thanks, not just in the third week of each November, but each day, every day of our lives. We thank you now for this opportunity to to grow closer and to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ with this time of fellowship, visiting, enjoying lunch together. We ask your blessing over this time. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.